Hello, everybody. This is the Way of the Wayfarer podcast, and I'm Rodrigo. And here with me is my good friend, Perry Keeve. Perry has no ambitions in life. <laughs> His whole ambition was to get married and have children, and he's done so. And this is why he will die poor and lonely. I am done. And with that... <laughs> Uh, today, we are talking about Christian ambition, oh, Perry, which on. actually you have plenty of. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I don't know if that's a good title for what we're about to talk about. I don't, I've debated. Sure. I don't know what this episode will end up being called. However, uh, basically what I wanted to talk about is this whole idea that uh, we're awaiting uh, our king's return. Okay. And uh, as we do so, we are living life. And it's interesting because uh, in several places in the Gospels, but specifically as related to what we're going to talk about, in Matthew 24 and 25, uh, Jesus talks about sort of awaiting the kingdom and, and how we should be waiting for it. Yes. And in Matthew 24, uh, Jesus predicts the destruction of Jerusalem and mm -hmm. the temple, yep. and he tells his disciples what to look for so that they know when it's going to happen. Right. And in there, he also talks about the end of the world, uh, when he will return. Right. And of that, he tells them, like, who knows right. when that's going to happen. And in view of that, he begins to tell them stories, parables, yep. uh, that illustrate Given that we don't know when that's going to happen, right. how we should behave mm -hmm. as we await. Right. And uh, we're going to basically concentrate, because he, he talks about a lot of things, but we're basically going to concentrate on two passages. Okay. One that I'm going to read and the other one that uh, we're going to allude to. Okay. Uh, and they're similar. And, and this is in Matthew 24. Uh, and I'm just going to read this. It says, uh, starting in verse 45, uh, here we go. Matthew 24, verse 36, it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. As it was on the day of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be gr uh, grinding with, ha with a handmill, one will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect it. Mm. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food and the proper time? At the proper time, sorry. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect them, and at that hour he is not aware of. He will cut them to pieces and assign them a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. And then he gets into another parable about uh, a woman in oil, virgins in oil. Mm -hmm. And then is uh, another parable that I think is known to many of us. We call it the parable of the talents. Right. But basically, again, same scenario. There is a master 
Right. And he gives uh, money uh, in different amounts to different servants. Right. And then he goes away. And then when he returns, he sort of asks for accounts. Yep. And uh, the one servant that he gave five bags to, the, he multiplied those bags into ten. Right. And the other one that he gave three bags to, he made that into six. And then the last one that he gave only one bag to, basically that guy just buried the bag and do, did nothing with it. Right. And that guy also gets sent to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. I say all of this, mm -hmm. my good friend Perry, yes. because clearly what Jesus is trying to communicate is that as we await the kingdom, as this day that will come that we don't know when it comes, as we wait for it, we are supposed to be doing something with what he's left us with. Right. That's basically the message that he's saying here. It's like, hey, part of you being ready for when the master comes back is that, hey, he's left you with all of these things. And you can call him whatever you want. You can call him gifts. You can call it, like, the grace that he's left us with. You can call it our gifts. You can call it whatever you want. Blessings. Blessings. What, whatever you want to call it, however you want to qualify it, clearly, to put it very simply, Jesus is expecting that as we await the kingdom, what we should be doing is advancing the kingdom is doing something with what he left us with. Right. I say this because I feel like there's a lot of people, and I think even at times myself, where uh, we will be part of a church or a small group, and we just attend. Like, all, we, all we're doing is we're going to meet people and we're not necessarily the picture of what these parables uh, are talking about, which is to be a good and faithful servant. Like, we're supposed to be good stewards of what God has left us with. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of people that go to church, sit through service, and then that's it. Right. That is as engaged and as involved as they are with the affairs of the master. And I think it's a pretty uh, scary situation if that is indeed you. Right. You know what I mean? Especially Absolutely. when you sort of read what is written here, which is like there's, there, there's a special place reserved for those people. And let me be clear, I'm not sending anybody off to hell. If anything, I'm just trying to bring up the fact that, like, there are many passages in the Bible that should give us pause. Yeah. And that should make us go, like, is this what I'm doing? Right. I think a lot of people, I think, as I've probably said before on this podcast and to anybody who's ever talked to me about Christianity, I think I mention all the time there are a lot of, I think, fundamental or misunderstandings about fundamental Christian concepts. Um, and one of those, as we talked about last time in one of our podcasts about, um, about community, is that people don't see church as a place for community necessarily. Yes. They see church as a good thing to do in order to be pious because people want to go to heaven. And so we learn that there are a few basic things we need to do to get to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
you know, don't sleep with people who aren't your wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't murder people. Don't murder people. Don't steal. And it's go to always church. The, I don't murder people. Right, right, exactly. Go to church every Sunday, dress nice, right. you know, um, and tithe. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, and these are the things. And so when we go to church, we might even hear messages that are convicting and that we agree with, but we don't become people who look like Jesus because we're hearing things about Jesus. Yes. We don't become people who look like Jesus because we agree with what the Bible says about <laughs> Jesus, right? We sit there, and it's, I think it's because, like tonight, I'm going to the movie theater to sit down and watch a movie. Uh, watching movies is something I love doing uh, because they entertain me, um, and they are, you know, they're entertaining. Um, but I think we live in a culture now where that is what we desire, entertainment. Mm. We let other people be the actors. We let other people put on the show. Yeah. But for us, we want to sit down and we want to be entertained. Right. And if I can, like literally the theaters now, they have recliners. Oh, those are you awesome, can, You can eat way. in the theaters. I mean, there's so <laughs> many things that like the way we act at a movie theater has become the people we are in church. Yes. And that to me is very scary. Well, I do, you know, it's funny. Um, we were talking about this we started, before we started recording. I think part of what we're talking about here is uh, clearly Jesus' expectation for his disciples as they were waiting his coming mm. was that they were going to be, really in the case of both parables that we talked about, either like active, faithful servants in the case of these people that the master gives money to, he's expecting them to invest that money. Right. And, you know, just to give you a little bit of context, uh, it was a pretty common, um, it was a pretty common thing for really wealthy people to hand some of their money to investors that a lot of time uh, would multiply those gains uh, through various means. But, like, the whole idea of doubling someone's money... Mm. Right was pretty commonplace. Like that, a good investor, that's what they would do. Right. And and so this this idea that like somebody gives you something and you in turn take care of it in Jesus' time was a uh, commonplace for the very wealthy. Right. And I think there's there's two things there I think that we need to understand is A, is that many times we don't necessarily uh, see ourselves as being part of sort of God's machine, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I feel like w we very much tend to see God as uh, consumers. Like, right. God is here to give to me. God is here to bless me. I'm here to receive what God gives me. Right. Right. Which isn't true. Like is that is not that is not untrue. That, sure. Those things that God does want to bless us. God does want to give us things. God does want to uh, be generous with us. Right. right. At the same time, the other thing that is true is that the Bible makes it very clear that the other thing that God wants us to do is to like not just sit there and receive those things. Right. But He wants us to do something with them, and is and again, like I think. That requires a more proactive uh, approach. It requires for us to, like, 
not just be consumers, but be investors, be workers, be like servants, like right. legitimate. And and again, even uh, the first passage that we read about like the serv- uh, the master leaving his servant, that they were there to basically be over other servants mm-hmm. and make sure and and treat them well. Right. Like the difference in that story between the the good servant and the bad servant is that one treats the servants well while the master is gone and the other one beats the servants while the master is gone. <laughs> right. And 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 again like I think there's this idea no matter on which level you put it, right? Cuz I think it's very easy to for example say, well, I'm participating in the kingdom cuz I lead a group. Right. Right? And then what happened like that's not the, o- the all I'm saying is like that's not the only way to participate in the kingdom and be proactive in it. You can serve. You right. can serve in many ways. Right. But uh, but one of the things that I have found, I've been part of many churches, and one of the things that I have found true to be uh, the case in many of those churches is that I can volunteer for something and be asked to meet at a certain place to arrange whatever it is that uh, that activity service involves, Right. And by and large, like, the same people mm-hmm. are always there. Right. And that tells me that the same people, like, the same group of people does a lot of the work in a church. And so uh, I feel like there's always a group of people that sort of get this idea of, like, hey, church is not just a place where I come, but it's a place where I participate. Right. Where I do stuff for. Right. And then there's some that don't understand that. Right. And and I feel again, I feel like the difference there is like is the difference between having the mindset of a consumer right. or having the mindset of a somebody who actually produces something. Absolutely. And I think so I, I think there are two kind of identity crises that Christians can have. And the first one is Christians seeing themselves as consumers. The problem with that is Christians don't see themselves as consumers. It's more of like a fact of who they are instead of how they actually see themselves, yes. right? Uh, but there's the consumer identity that we can take on as Christians. And then there's the victim identity that we can take on as Christians. Mm. And and I, I think both lend to this mindset. But I want to read the scripture in Isaiah. They'll kind of summarize what I'm talking about. But this is this is the scripture that Jesus reads in the temple. Yes. Uh, and it says, Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So right there, um, I, Isaiah, who's talking, saying, the spirit of the Lord is on me to go do a few things. He says, uh, proclaim good news. Bind up brokenhearted, uh, proclaim freedom for the captives, uh, release from darkness for the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to provide for those who grieve, give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, uh, oil of joy instead of mourning and garment of praise. But then it says, the scripture hinges, it says those people who were being rescued, who were victims, who were being rescued, will be called oaks of righteousness. They will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And it goes on talking about how they're going to rebuild the kingdom that was broken down. Sure. And it's funny because as Christians, like, we do start off as victims. You know, and we, we I think we can feel beaten down by life. And so we're consumers because we feel like we've been beat up. We feel like things have been taken from us. And so we come to church 
to just get filled up. Heal me, church. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me hear the words that are going to make me feel good, that are going to encourage me so that I can go and endure the rest of my week. But that that whole mindset, both of those, consumers <coughs> and the victim mindset, become self-centered mindsets. Yes. When the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord came upon Isaiah, and as Jesus would also later on quote this scripture, he became someone who wasn't self selfish, but selfless. Right. No longer was he going to be a consumer. He was going to provide and produce, as you said. No longer was he going to be a victim, but he was going to go and rescue people, you know, be, be uh, someone who went and pulled people out of the darkness, saved the victims. And I think we like being the consumer and the victim because it means we don't have to fight the bad guy, right? We don't have to overcome the hard things. We don't have to be the strong people. Sure. And we like being the weak people. And I think what you're saying, um, this idea of having spiritual ambition or Christian ambition or whatever you want to call it, this idea of taking what God is giving you and being able to invest it in others, like I think deep down a lot of people realize like, oh, oh, that that takes effort and that can be difficult and it might you know force me to get out of my comfort zone and so as you're talking i'm just thinking of all the ways and reasons why we don't want to have spiritual ambition and i think it's because christians are okay not going anywhere <laughs> spiritually sure. you know what i'm saying as long as they can hear the things that make them happy they don't want to move in the direction of God. They just want to Netflix and chill. I don't right. know, Bible and chill. I don't know how you want to put that. Yep. Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like more than uh, one of the things that I find challenging, aside from the idea of uh, activity, if you will, mm -hmm. one of the things that I find challenging about the scriptures that we've read is that um the faithful servants are faithful because they're who they're keeping in mind yes. is their master. Right. And I think there's a certain level of uh Christian disengagement, right? That comes from not really understanding who the master is. Right. You know what I mean? Because if you um like, I feel like it, it's, it, it's, it's become, as I've grown in my understanding of God, right? As I've grown in understanding his love, as I've grown in understanding his patience, as I've grown in understanding his power. And, and so, like, one of, for example, one of the things that uh, fascinates me every single time is how sort of the, the, the plot line of the Bible, everything fits, and the story sort of, like, comes together, and, and God seems to be the author of all these, like, mm. families that overlap and people that, like, one thing leads into another right. and all this other stuff. And I'm like, like, like God has a, he's a mastermind in yeah. a sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he he's masterminded this whole story of salvation in a sense. And, right. And, and again, like, the, the more I get to know God, the mm -hmm. more I understand more and more about him, the harder it is for me to, to to just sit there and not engage. Right. You know what I mean? Like the more I understand is like if 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 my understanding of God uh is done anything in my life, it has made me 
want to do more for him. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I feel like the what could potentially be the saddest part about like Christians not really engaging in advancing the kingdom of God is that that could be very well, the reason for that could very well be that you don't really understand like who God is. Absolutely. And let me say this. I do feel like uh, potentially, right, we could all have good reasons not to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even in the in the parable of of uh, the talents, it's funny because the servant that didn't do anything with the money, he says like, "Hey, I was afraid that you were like this mean, mean man." And the guy doesn't correct him. He's like, "Yeah, I, I, I kind of am." You know what I mean? And, right. and, and again, it's kind of like the reasoning that this guy had for not doing anything is not like it was an invalid reason. Sure, but but again, like the thing that was supposed to trump that. Right, was the fact that he understood who the master was. Right, like that money wasn't his. Right, it was the master's. Right. And he, and it's interesting because even what he tells him is like, hey, you could have invested it and given me some interest. Like he wasn't even expecting like a doubling of his money. If the guy had invested it a little bit right. and given him some profit, right, right, he would have been fine. Right. And what I'm saying is like we're not talking about and I'm and again I'm I'm there is a scenario in which there may be good reasons why you can't be uh going off to the deep dark depths of the Amazon jungle sure. right to to do mission work there yeah. right that's not for everybody right and I think one of the things practically speaking one of the things that that I think can challenge people a lot of times is like when we highlight the people that are doing the stuff it's always like these super stories right. of like exceptional people let's right. call them like what they are which right. are like exceptional people that go off and do these amazing things right. and then we we leave those sharings if you will going like i have to be like that guy right but we don't right you know what i mean like i feel like ultimately god is given to us different things He's not expecting the same out of all of us. Right. But he is expecting something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he is expecting for us to do something with what he's given us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, if, if for example, the CEO of a big company, right, becomes a Christian and sort of, like, really wants to give to the kingdom financially with his knowledge, whatever, that's going to be very different than, like, somebody who isn't that. You know right. what I mean? It, right. But the expectation isn't the same. The expectation is that we do something, yes, anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and and again, I think that expectation needs to come from an understanding of like, man, we know who our master is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Like, and uh, go go ahead. I know you want to say something. Well, I was just gonna share like that idea of knowing who God is. You know, when Isaiah spoke in sixty one, he said, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me." Right. Yeah. I mean, the character of God was now upon him. Uh, and in Galatians 5, it talks about as Christians, when we get that spirit, like that, that character of God within us, upon us, however you want to put it, the, the, the fruit of the spirit should be prevalent in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and then it says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. 
let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. But this idea of, like, we should be becoming, if we know God, right, and we see him well, we should be, I'm literally going to preach a sermon about this tomorrow, we should be <laughs> becoming more like him. Yes. And if God's whole character is that he's just been giving to us, lavishing stuff on us, investing in us, you know, expecting us to be the best we can be, um, giving us more and more and more and more grace upon grace. Like, how much more should we look out at other people, look out at the world, and say, I need to be that because God is that. Yes. And I, I think, like you're saying, like, people have a very bad understanding of who God is, when his presence and his spirit doesn't cause them to move. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, Barry, I think it's very interesting you say that because I do feel like there's, uh, there's an element of what we're talking about that is very much um, about be- becoming something that we're not. Mm. And the reason I bring that up is because I feel like, and I felt this very many times, right? I, I feel like, uh, I've sat through uh, conversations, sermons, whatever you want to call it, right? When I'm where I'm challenged to to do more, and uh, it's funny because I feel like there's two kinds of people. There's the people that listen to those challenges and are super motivated and are super like, "Yes, I'm right. gonna do that!" Right, right. And then there's other people that hear and go like. I'm the worst person ever. Yes, I yeah. I can't I can't do that. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh I feel like I'm I'm somewhere in between those two people. Right. I feel like I, I love being challenged. Sure. And at the same time, uh I'm I'm a man that understands his limitations. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh but one of the things that is very fascinating to me is like the when you look at the Bible and you look at the stories of all these men that sort of went out there and did things for God. One of the things that fascinates me and one of the things that we lose sight of so many times of is that when we decide to engage for God's cause, it's not like God just leaves us out to dry out there and do it by ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, when we engage, God engages with us. Yes. And... The the amount of characters in the Bible that were somewhat inadequate for the task that they were participating yeah. in is pretty high. Yes. Like, you know, Paul was a murderer. Right. Peter seems to have been a really rash person. Right. Moses couldn't really speak <laughs> and was a murderer. And he ran away. You know what I mean? Like, Coward, yeah. Yeah, Joseph was arrogant. Abraham was a liar. Like, right. I mean, pick them. You know what I mean? They were, they were all... Jacob was terrible. Yeah, the book of Judges is basically a story of, what, <laughs> of what, how bad can things get right. when people are far away from God. Right. That even the good guys are bad in the book of Judges. <laughs> like, that's how bad the book of Judges were. Even the good guys were bad. You know what I mean? And, and again, yeah. like, the... And, and this is the other thing, Perry. Like... We have this tendency of thinking that we are the heroes of the story. Right. But God Absolutely. is the hero of the story. Absolutely. And so in many ways, like we're we are God's squire. Yep. You know what I mean? And and so this idea that that I, I, and again, I think this comes from the media that we watch, right? Like we all want to be the guy with the big sword. Right. And like, you know, that's like 
in the battlefield just like right. lawn mowing people right. and like dropping right. bodies everywhere. Right. And but the thing is like no matter what the case is, we are not that guy right. compared to God. Right. You know what I mean? Like we are the we are the people that are like sort of picking off the people that just fell to the ground yeah. and are like, oh, I got you, God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, right. and again, like I feel like there's there's this concern of, uh, especially I, I feel like American culture is such performance culture, mm. right? And so when we talk about like doing and daring. The first thing that we go to is like, how am I gonna perform? Am right. I adequate for this? Right. And all I'm saying is like, your adequacy, to a certain degree, doesn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like ability counts, but it doesn't count as much as our willingness to want to do these things. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I I do feel like even speaking of the Bible, like for as inadequate as Paul was. For example, he was also very qualified to do what God called him to right. do. But it, it was this balance of, like, to a certain degree, God picked the right guy and picked the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. But the difference, right, that difference that exists between, like, God's, uh, between Paul's abilities and what God wanted him to do, right. like, what makes up that difference wasn't Paul. Right. It was God. Right. And all I'm saying is, like, any time that we decide to engage with uh with what the master wants us to engage with right rarely are we going to be the perfect person for it right but that difference god is going to make up and right. i bring that up just to say like i think we need to be excited and fired up about like these opportunities right. again not because like we're the guy right. but because god is the guy right absolutely and like even as you say that, like I think about Matthew 28, the Great Commission, you know, because at, at, at the very least, right, we know that the Great Commission is not, therefore, go into the churches and sit right. <laughs> and listen right. to sermons that you may or may, may not, not agree like, with. Right. <laughs> right. I didn't like the songs today. <laughs> right. So we know that's not the Great Commission. So at the, at the bare minimum, we know that Jesus called us to... Go and make disciples, right, of all nations, and then teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. So, like, regardless of where you are in your Christian walk, that's something that you should be thinking about doing consistently. And I, I'm not saying that, like, teaching the gospel looks many different ways. And, and making disciples, like, you can teach somebody the gospel by going and serving with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's many different ways to teach everything. But at the bare minimum, we know we need to at least be doing that. But... Even that right there, that scripture closes out by saying, Jesus saying, and I will be with you always yes. to the very end of the age. And it's almost like this is what Jesus is like, okay, guys, I know I've been the hero this whole time. And technically, I'm telling you to go out and do the heroic stuff. I'm telling you to do that. And I understand right. you guys can't do it, but I, I, will, I will be with you. And I think that means the responsibility of the Christian is to... Keep God's presence as the foremost thought in their mind. Yes. Like the, the primary responsibility, primary responsibility is to sit and be in the presence of God, is to walk with God, is to have this intense. So, so 
what I'm saying is if you are the guy sitting in church who gets excited about these things and you want to go and you want to serve in all the ways and you want to invest your talents and invest your money and invest your time, but you are not spiritual, meaning you do not like you're not spending time in the word and in prayer and sure. fasting and with the fellowship. Like if you're not connecting to the presence of God, one, either you will serve well and do things well because you are talented, but you won't be with God in the end. <laughs> or you will feel overwhelmed by the task and get completely burned out and then become someone who feels justified sitting in church, either agreeing or disagreeing, right. because you're just tired. Yes. And I think the answer here is staying in the presence, consistently in the presence of God. You know, I'm, I'm so happy you brought that up. Because I think one of the saddest things, um, one of the saddest things that I've seen happen, right, is people who are uh, really talented mm -hmm. and people who are, uh, like, I feel like in any church, right, there are always needs and uh, you're always sort of looking for the person that could do X, Y, or Z, right? Yep. And I feel like many times, and this was certainly my experience uh, when I was doing ministry, was was to like constantly wonder like who could do this, right? And one of the saddest things that 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 uh, has happened often, more often than I would like, is to find that person, right? The person that you think is like perfect to do to take care of this or whatever. And find that person going and talking to them and basically them telling you, like, no, because I've been disappointed. Or no, because I did that at some point. Yep. And then under whatever circumstances it was taken away yep. from me. Or, you know, I would love to, but, like, I'm hurt, I'm busy, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and to me, again, and, and and for the people who have gone through stuff, mm -hmm. I am no way wanted to invalidate those things because I think those things uh, do shape us and they count and all of those things, right? I don't want to make, make I want to make sure that if somebody's out there listening and you've been hurt or you've been disappointed uh, or for whatever under whatever circumstances something was taken away from you, right? And and that. Uh, hurt you in some way, and then you're being asked to serve in that way again mm -hmm. uh, or in a related way or to serve, period, right? Uh, I'm not saying that how you felt isn't valid, right. and I'm not saying that if you were wronged, uh, there doesn't need to be justice for that wrong, right? Right. right. However, one of the... Uh, going back to what we've been talking about is like when when our experiences right and when our hurts in our history trump our master's desire mm -hmm. like that is the really the opposite of how we should be living yes you know what i mean i i think and again like i i do feel like there is uh I don't want to. I don't want to put any absolutes out there because I do feel that like there are situations that are tricky. But by and large, like I feel like the 
what is a great testament to God? Always, right? What is always a great testament to God is when the things that don't make sense happen. Mm -hmm. So in many cases, right, it makes sense for a person to be hurt right. given what may have happened to them. Right. It makes sense for a person to be uh, bitter, maybe because they were mistreated. It makes sense for a person to not want to participate again, maybe because they failed and they right. feel like that failure was a huge, uh, was it was like a huge disappointment right. to them, right? Right. I, again, I think there's a scenario in which all of those things are valid, mm -hmm. yet I feel like it is more telling of the master that we serve when those things are true yeah. and we decide to engage again Again, not right. because of us and not because of the people involved, right. but because of God. Like I feel like if we are going to live life for our master who is yeah. God, it is more telling of that life if we, even though we fail and even though we're like full of dust yeah. and mud in our yeah. face, if we get up again... What we're saying is, like, you know what? Like, God is bigger than this. Absolutely. And I feel like it's so sad when, like, I constantly encounter people who at one point were super engaged and were really active in church who, for whatever reason, decide to no longer do so because of something. Again, many times, things that are valid, period. I'm not talking about, like, the person who just sort of took their ball and went home. Yeah. Like, people who legitimately went through something. And you could go, like, I can understand why that person right. isn't doing this. However, again, that being said, I think it is more telling of a powerful, loving, redemptive God for that person to choose to sort of like get up and do it again than if they were just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And this is why I'm not doing it. Yes. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Yes. But take heart, he said. I have overcome the world. Now, the funny thing about that scripture is what he doesn't say is, I have overcome the trouble that you will endure. <laughs> sure. He says the trouble, or the, the context in which that trouble will, will come, I have overcome that context. Right. Like, I supersede both the trouble and the world that the trouble comes in. And I think we can see a scripture like that and kind of believe it, But when things get hard, what we think that scripture says is, in this world, you will have trouble, and sometimes that trouble will overcome you. Like, that's what we, that's how we behave right. as if that scripture is talking, rather than truly believing and living in a way and in the direction of the idea that, no, this might have hurt, or I might, I might have been broken by this or defeated by this, or I might be bitter about this, but Jesus is the primary focus here. Yes. And will I live in the direction of him following the fruits of the spirit or will I live in the direction of me following the fruits of whatever horrible situation I found myself in? You yes. know what I'm saying? Um, and, I, and Jesus should supersede. Jesus should always supersede. Absolutely. You know, Perry, that is a perfect exclamation point mm -hmm. to this podcast. All I, all I want to say is this. If... Uh, If you've never engaged, uh, hopefully this conversation will help you do so. If you have engaged and failed or been mistreated, mm -hmm. hopefully this conversation will help you yeah. engage again. Yep. All we're saying is let's be 
good and faithful servants, yep. Mary. Not because of us, but because of our master. And I thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you do, please uh, leave us a comment and more importantly, share this and subscribe. Yep. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, through social media at Rodrigo Ether. At Trembler of Days. And also at Ether MMC and just follow all of the things that we do. Uh, thank you so much for watching slash listening and we'll catch you on the next one.